The Scarecrow of Oz, Chapter 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 1, narrated by Kara Schallenberg. www.kray.org. The Scarecrow of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Chapter 1 The Great Whirlpool. "'Seems to me,' said Captain Bill, as he sat beside Trot under the big acacia-tree, looking out over the blue ocean, "'Seems to me, Trot, as how the more we know, the more we find we don't know.' "'I can't quite make that out, Captain Bill,' answered the little girl in a serious voice, after a moment's thought, during which her eyes followed those of the old sailor-man across the glassy surface of the sea. "'Seems to me that all we learn is just so much gained.' "'I know. It looks that way at first sight,' said the sailor, nodding his head. "'But those as knows the least have a habit of thinking they know all there is to know, while them as knows the most admits what a terrible big world this is. It's the knowing ones that realize one lifetime ain't long enough to get more'n a few dips of the oars of knowledge.' Trot didn't answer. She was a very little girl, with big, solemn eyes, and an earnest, simple manner. Cap'n Bill had been her faithful companion for years, and had taught her almost everything she knew. He was a wonderful man, this Cap'n Bill. Not so very old, although his hair was grizzled, what there was of it. Most of his head was bald as an egg, and as shiny as oilcloth, and this made his big ears stick out in a funny way. His eyes had a gentle look, and were pale blue in colour, and his round face was rugged and bronzed. Cap'n Bill's left leg was missing from the knee down, and that was why the sailor no longer sailed the seas. The wooden leg he wore was good enough to stump around with on land, or even to take trot out for a row or a sail on the ocean, but when it came to running up aloft, or performing active duties on shipboard, the old sailor was not equal to the task. The loss of his leg had ruined his career, and the old sailor found comfort in devoting himself to the education and companionship of the little girl. The accident to Cap'n Bill's leg had happened at about the time Trot was born, and ever since that he had lived with Trot's mother as a star boarder, having enough money saved up to pay for his weekly keep. He loved the baby and often held her on his lap, her first ride was on Cap'n Bill's shoulders, for she had no baby carriage, and when she began to toddle around, the child and the sailor became close comrades, and enjoyed many strange adventures together. It is said the fairies had been present at Trot's birth, and had marked her forehead with their invisible mystic signs, so that she was able to see and do many wonderful things. The acacia tree was on top of a high bluff, but a path ran down the bank in a zigzag way to the water's edge, where Cap'n Bill's boat was moored to a rock by means of a stout cable. It had been a hot, sultry afternoon, with scarcely a breath of air stirring, so Cap'n Bill and Trot had been quietly sitting beneath the shade of the tree, waiting for the sun to get low enough for them to take a row. They had decided to visit one of the great caves which the waves had washed out of the rocky coast, during many years of steady effort. 
The caves were a source of continual delight to both the girl and the sailor, who loved to explore their awesome depths. "'I believe, Cap'n,' remarked Trot, at last, "'that it's time for us to start.' The old man cast a shrewd glance at the sky, the sea, and the motionless boat. Then he shook his head. "'Maybe it's time, Trot,' he answered. "'But I don't just like the looks of things this afternoon.' "'What's wrong?' she asked wonderingly. "'Can't say as to that. Things is too quiet to suit me, that's all. No breeze, not a ripple atop the water, nary a gull a-flyin' anywhere, and the end of the hottest day of the year. I ain't no weather prophet, Trot, but any sailor would know the signs is ominous.' "'There's nothing wrong that I can see,' said Trot. If there was a cloud in the sky even as big as my thumb, we might worry about it. But look, Captain, the sky is as clear as can be. He looked again and nodded. Perhaps we can make the cave all right, he agreed, not wishing to disappoint her. It's only a little way out, and we'll be on the watch. So come along, Trot. Together they descended the winding path to the beach. It was no trouble for the girl to keep her footing on the steep way, but Cap'n Bill, because of his wooden leg, had to hold on to rocks and roots now and then to save himself from tumbling. On a level path he was as spry as anyone, but to climb uphill or down required some care. They reached the boat safely, and while Trot was untying the rope, Cap'n Bill reached into a crevice of the rock and drew out several tallow candles and a box of wax matches, which he thrust into the capacious pockets of his sou'wester. This sou'wester was a short coat of oilskin, which the old sailor wore on all occasions, when he wore a coat at all, and the pockets always contained a variety of objects, useful and ornamental, which made even Trot wonder where they all came from, and why Cap'n Bill should treasure them. The jackknives, a big one and a little one, the bits of cord, the fish-hooks, the nails, these were handy to have on certain occasions. But bits of shell and tin boxes with unknown contents, buttons, pincers, bottles of curious stones, and the like, seemed quite unnecessary to carry around. That was Cap'n Bill's business, however, and now that he added the candles and the matches to his collection, Trot made no comment, for she knew these last were to light their way through the caves. The sailor always rowed the boat, for he handled the oars with strength and skill. Trot sat in the stern and steered. The place where they embarked was a little bight, or circular bay, and the boat cut across a much larger bay toward a distant headland, where the caves were located right at the water's edge. They were nearly a mile from shore, and about halfway across the bay, when Trot suddenly sat up straight and exclaimed, "'What's that, Captain?' He stopped rowing and turned half around to look. "'That, Trot,' he slowly replied, "'looks to me mighty like a whirlpool.' "'What makes it, Captain?' "'A whirl in the air makes the whirl in the water. I was afraid as we'd meet with trouble, Trot. Things didn't look right. The air was too still.' "'It's coming closer,' said the girl. The old man grabbed the oars and began rowing with all his strength. "'Tain't coming closer to us, Trot,' he gasped. "'It's we that are coming closer to the whirlpool. 
The thing is drawn us to it like a magnet. Trot's sun-bronzed face was a little paler as she grasped the tiller firmly and tried to steer the boat away, but she said not a word to indicate fear. The swirl of the water as they came nearer made a roaring sound that was fearful to listen to. So fierce and powerful was the whirlpool that it drew the surface of the sea into the form of a great basin, slanting downward near the centre, where a big hole had been made in the ocean. A hole with walls of water that were kept in place by the rapid whirling of the air. The boat in which Trot and Captain Bill were riding was just on the outer edge of this saucer-like slant, and the old sailor knew very well that unless he could quickly force the little craft away from the rushing current, they would soon be drawn into the great black hole that yawned in the middle. So he exerted all his might, and pulled as he had never pulled before. He pulled so hard that the left oar snapped in two, and sent Cap'n Bill sprawling upon the bottom of the boat. He scrambled up quickly enough, and glanced over the side. Then he looked at Trot, who sat quite still, with a serious far-away look in her sweet eyes. The boat was now speeding swiftly of its own accord, following the line of the circular basin round and round, and gradually drawing nearer to the great hole in the centre. Any further effort to escape the whirlpool was useless, and realizing this fact Cap'n Bill turned toward Trot, and put an arm around her, as if to shield her from the awful fate before them. He did not try to speak, because the roar of the waters would have drowned the sound of his voice. These two faithful comrades had faced dangers before, but nothing to equal that which now faced them. Yet Cap'n Bill, noting the look in Trot's eyes, and remembering how often she had been protected by unseen powers, did not quite give way to despair. The great hole in the dark water— now growing nearer and nearer, looked very terrifying, but they were both brave enough to face it, and await the result of the adventure. End of chapter 1